Hello and welcome to Treasure Trove, the bi-weekly podcast that is all about bringing up the lesser known and underappreciated games in either popular franchises or maybe games you don't even know about to begin with. Uh, this week is Gamescom. I am recording but probably will not publish simply because there's lots of game news uh, and as much as I appreciate my fans and everyone who does listen to this, uh, it is not very well known so why try to compete, uh, at least for now. So anyways, this week I'm going to delve into the popular franchise, uh, the Nintendo franchise, Zelda. The Legend of Zelda. Uh, now, there's lots of different games to pick from, and there's no guarantee this will be the only game that I will choose, but this is definitely high on my list when I think of games that came out for the series that no one really talks about or thinks about, um, either because of the period in which it came out or the fact that it is on a platform that's no longer really available, um, which would be the, the Minish Cap, Legend of Zelda the Minish Cap. Um, the story goes... Um, uh, it follows Link on his quest to uh, talk with a race of small folk called the Pakori by the Hylians, uh, though they prefer themselves to be called Minish. Uh, after the Pakori blade is broken and Princess Zelda is petrified by the magician Vati. Vati is kind of a reoccurring uh, villain, though not as popular as Ganon slash Ganondorf, whichever your preference may be, um, but has appeared in quite a few games before, including other games involving the Four Sword, which I will get to later on. Um, according to Legend, the Minish are responsible for bestowing green garb on a young me- uh, lad, a hero of sorts, along with a sword and a powerful golden light to drive back the darkness. Sounds a little familiar, don't you think? Um, of course, we're going to have our hero of light uh, with his green garb and magical sword. Uh, this is the third game in the Four Sword lore, as I was explaining earlier, and it helps bring together the origin of the fabled blade. Uh, Four Sword Adventures and... The other one, which name escapes me at the moment, um, which also had Four Sword in it, were multiplayer takes uh, available on the Game Boy and also on GameCube in order to try and get players to cooperate and play together. Uh, a link to the past Four Swords, that's what it was. It was also, in, that's the one on Game Boy Advance. Um, and the games were fun, interesting, but ultimately kind of shallow, uh, at least story wise. Gameplays, they, they held that tried and true Zelda formula together. Uh, Minish Cap was their uh, Nintendo's answer in order to try and give the Four Sword and everything surrounding it a little bit more umph- uh, narratively. Um, along with Link, we meet Ez- uh, Elzo, who is a talking green cap that is capable of shrinking Link down to the size of the Minish to explore the world. Uh, staple characters make an appearance, including some of the odder choices like Tingle, everyone's favorite whatever he is. Um, the gameplay of Minish Cap really revolves around uh, Ezlo and his shrinking ability. Uh, it's a key mechanic that allows Link to explore different parts of the world you wouldn't expect. and provides lots of different su- uh, surprises, including your first boss fight, which is actually against a green chew. Uh, an enemy that is usually so simple to beat that you just don't think twice about, which becomes this formidable, formidable gigantic foe you have to take on. Uh, it's a very interesting twist and has really brought... Um, its own little flavor to the Zelda universe, and I think that that shrinking mechanic is something that could be utilized again fairly easily. That's just my two cents. Uh, the game follows a traditional 2D top-down gameplay, involves players moving Link across a world with this action combat, sword in one hand, magical item in another. Um, you explore dungeons, finding these special items to help open up new pathways and make Link more powerful, including new equipment such as a more powerful sword, better armor, etc., etc. Uh, old items like bombs, 
Pegasus boots um, and bows make an appearance, as well as some new items uh, that personally I think is uh, some of the better items that we see uh, in the Zelda universe. Uh, a lot of the 3D games have these unique, really spectacular items. Uh, some of them, not so much. Um, but I think that Minish Cap has some of the best items in a 2D Zelda for sure, because they're very imaginative, including the Gust Jar, which is similar to the hookshot in the sense that it can pull things toward you and push things away from you, but it's also very different in how it interacts. It's, uh, it doesn't stick to things. It has to actually pull it towards it by sucking air in or pushing air out, uh, which offers some interesting game mechanic ideas, including being able to pull like a vine close to Link and then launch him across a gap, things like that. I think it's a very interesting take, uh, allowing Link to kind of suck in enemies and use them as projectiles. It's a very versatile tool. Uh, along with the cane of Posse, uh, which Posse, Pocky, P-A-C-C-I, you choose since there's no voiceover, um, which flips objects upside down. You could turn a harmless jar into something that's actually useful fighting enemies by simply flipping it upside down, letting it fall on top of the enemy. Um, uh, there are other creative items in here, and I think that this particular experience has some of the more um, less hackneyed, more original items than most Zelda games do. Um, other staples include collecting hearts to increase Link's health. That returns as well. Uh, the game also includes a simple collection system uh, in which you must collect 100 kinstones. Kinstone pieces, I'm sorry, it's 100 kinstone pieces, 22 possible kinstones. Uh, the pieces are scattered across the world and unlock or open up as more story is covered. So originally there's only 20 available. You can put find them. Try and piece them together, but you won't be able to do so at that point in time, in which, as major events happen along the story, more kinstones open up. Uh, it kind of keeps you on your toes and gives you uh, a sense of wanting to go back and check things out, especially as a major event has unfolded, to go not only explore with your new item, but actually unlock these new uh, kinstones, because when a kinstone is completed, it actually unlocks a secret on the map, uh, which could lead to uh, something as simple as another heart piece to some secret treasure. Um, there's really cool, interesting, tw um, interesting mechanic with that, if you ask me. The development of the game is actually kind of interesting, because this is one of the a uh, few titles developed outside of Nintendo by Capcom. Capcom is, of course, responsible for Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages, uh, using its subsidiary flagship. Um, and once those two were completed, the fabled third game was kind of set aside, and instead, flagship moved on to create a Game Boy Advanced um, game. In case you didn't know, fun fact of the day, uh, Oracle of Seasons and Ages can tie together with a password, and the original plan was to have the a third game in which Ganon would be the big boss, and that those two games would kind of merge into story-wise. However, that ran over because production time, so instead, if you take a password that you earn at the end of one and put it into the other, you can fight Ganon as a final boss once you beat the second game. Fun fact over. Enjoy it. Chew on it. Take it home. Um, so they decided to start development on uh, this Zelda title, Game Boy Advance, but no one knew the name. And after a delay so that they could focus on creating four swords to ship out with the Game Boy Advance port of A Link to the Past, uh, the Shigeru Miyamoto series creator and Eji Aonuma, who is the current producer of the franchise, uh, confirmed in 2003 that Minish Cap was in development and well underway. So they confirmed that the game was in development and the actual title of the game, I believe, along with a piece of key art. Um, 
according to the game director, I'm going to apologize. I practiced this and I'm still not good at it. Hidemaro Fujibayashi. The goal of the game was to create something that hasn't really been created before in the Zelda universe as well as show off Capcom style. Now, I'm not so much sure about Capcom style because the game oozes with the same kind of feel and style that is found in Wind Waker and arguably a little bit of what was found in Oracle of Seasons and Ages, so I guess you could say that does fall in place. But I truly believe that Minish Cap is this unique little tale that works so well as an independent Link story. It's it's even though it falls in line in the Zelda timeline, you can find it on in the uh, the Zelda the Hyrule Historia book. Uh, it really works as his own little entity. You don't need to know much else. Ganon and all of the Triforce, GB, you know stuff that's obviously important to the lore, and I understand its importance uh, as as the franchise overall. It's kind of nice to be separated from that. This entity that you can just play on its own and enjoy it for what it is. It's a great newbie Zelda game because it really helps explain exploration, dungeon, new items without really getting into the minutia of the baggage really that Zelda carries for being a franchise that's what, 25 years old? 30 years old? One of the two? Um, Anyways, that aside, um, uh, Fujibayashi also uh, said that he personally wanted to create a 2D Zelda that was on par with the 3D counterparts, which explains why specific 3D mechanics made their way into the title, including dodge roll, which you can activate uh, by pressing R on the Game Boy Advance. Can we just talk about how awesome the Game Boy Advance was? God, it's such a solid piece of hardware. I miss that handheld considerably. Uh, Fujibayashi also confirmed that the team at Capcom started leaning hard into the concept art stage to begin with, which is a very different approach of how Nintendo starts development. Nintendo prefers to do the prototyping and just kind of get some gameplay and some data going so they can show it off to one another, whereas the concept art is where Capcom started and really won over Aonuma. He said he was kind of blown away on how much they had, and by using that concept art, they were able to kind of dive in deep and delve into how they wanted this world to be portrayed. It's specifically the shrinking, small, minute world of the Minish. Uh... Again, the game leaned towards this Wind Waker style pretty heavily in order to coincide with the GameCube title, which came out around the same time, uh, keep that flow going together, and would continue to be released on handhelds for a very long time, uh, including two DS titles after this, um, before kind of, I wouldn't say reverting back because we got a link between worlds, but it doesn't necessarily mean the next handheld Zelda won't carry the same art style, which I'm personally a fan of. I like the uh, cel-shaded... Uh, uh, knockoff of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I think it's great. That was not sarcasm. I really do. Um, some players believe the idea of the Minish came from A Link Between Worlds. The I'm sorry, A Link to the Past. My bad. That was really awkward. A uh, Link to the Past, uh, the Super Nintendo game, uh, in which Link meets a young man who disappears in the middle of playing a flute on a stump, only to reappear again later in the Dark World, which is a little bit reminiscent of Link when he plays the... Uh, when he talks to Elzo and shrinks on the stump. So I found that little tidbit interesting. Uh, Reception-wise, the game was pretty well received, definitely critically. It had, as as of right now, has an aggregate score of 89 on Metacritic with uh, 54 reviews. Uh, IGN, GameSpot, all gave it glowing reviews with 9s or above. Uh, GameSpot gave it the... uh, 
the Game Boy Advance Game of the Year, if I remember correctly, when it came out in 2005. Whereas IGN uh, said it was the number 20 on their Game Boy Advance list of 25 Game Boy Advance games to own. Um, in Japan, the game launched on November 4th, 2004, and went on to, to be the best-selling game of the week, selling roughly 97,000 units, and sold over 197,000 units by the end of the year, which, considering the time frame, is actually pretty well received. Um, you know, you have Christmas right on the corner. I, I don't know if Christmas is as big in Japan, but I assume that it's something. Anyways, winter holidays, gift sharing. I mean, that's still a pretty good sell. Um, in January of 2005, the game was the fourth selling, highest selling game in the U.S. Uh, for the month of January, totaling over 217,000. So overall, I think the game made the sales that were expected. It just did not really sink into an audience. Um, part of that is the fact that coming around 2004, we're, we're heading into the mid-range towards the tail, not really the tail end, but we're hitting the second half of the Game Boy Advance life cycle um, with the DS coming out around 2006, 2007, if I remember correctly. Anyways, it's not important, but it, it sold well enough and it's received well enough. Unfortunately, it's just kind of been alone. It hasn't really gone past that. Uh, Capcom hasn't really worked on any Zelda games since. So uh, personally, I think Minish Cap is probably one of my favorite titles in the franchise. Again, I think despite the fact that uh, critics gave it um, they knocked it for its length, saying it was a little too short. I think it's the perfect size of a Zelda game. Uh, it's not too far, too long. Has roughly uh, six dungeons, including the final dungeon. So it's it can be super quick if you make it quick. It reminds me a lot of Majora's Mask. My, f it's probably my my ultimate favorite. But Minish Cap is up there because of the fact that if you want to sit in that world and expand on it, you just go and do side quests and enjoy the world around it. Uh, there's lots of interesting things to help shake it up, including some throwbacks to older games, some inclusions of odd characters like Tingle, and a couple of other things that I'm not going to really spoil for you. But overall, it's a very intriguing uh, setup that allows players who just want to play through and drop it to keep to finish it quickly, and people who want to stay in this world to expand and enjoy it. Um, the Minish are a great new species uh, in the world, and I think the lack of Ganondorf slash Ganon is super refreshing. I mean, he, he, he as a character is intimidating only because we are told he's intimidating. I don't think he really does anything that's scary or weird. Um, and I, I would argue that he's not as fleshed out as other villains that have appeared in long-lasting uh, Nintendo franchises like Bowser. I'm not saying Bowser's a great character, but I would argue he's a better character than Ganon or Ganondorf because of the fact that we get some human side of him or some some touching sides to him before we realize what type of villain he is. So um, having someone different in there, Vati is really cool looking anyway, so that was kind of nice. Um, again, The Great Secrets, I think it's well worth it. Um, if you are looking for a 2D Zelda that is interesting, that you kind of want to see what they were in the past, but not too far back in the past, um, you can pick it up on the Wii U. I believe it's available for 8 bucks, so it's not too expensive. Uh, if you're lucky and you were a 3DS owner during the Ambassador program, you already have it, and you understand how great that game is. Please, Nintendo, bring it to the new 3DS. Game Boy Advance games can play on the new 3DS if fucking Super Nintendo games can play on the th new 3DS. That's my soapbox. I'm getting off now. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate all the kind comments and the the people who like and share. Uh, it, it helps expand the show. I really want to try and get out to as many people who are interested in this as possible because I enjoy talking about 
games that are special to me that don't really get talked about a lot, as well as the the, the development side. I mean, I I try to spend as much time and as many facts as I can find on the development side that makes these games interesting. And quite honestly, you don't really hear a whole lot about development side unless you're really into this stuff like I am. So again, thank you so much. Uh, feel free to share this podcast with anyone that you think would be interested. Hit me up on Twitter at JesterHead0302. Uh, and until two weeks from now, it'll actually... Yeah, it'll probably be two weeks from now. I'll, I'll, I'll use the extra week to play something special. Anyways, thank you again so much, and keep on playing.